You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and glory of your reign. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects all those who love him, but he destroys the wicked. I will praise the Lord and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever. morning. I'm Pastor Bob. Susan and I, my wife, uh, just returned recently from a, a wonderful vacation out to Oregon and the state of Washington and British Columbia, Canada. And as we were out there, we, we saw some incredible country, beauty, ate some incredible seafood, and had some interesting conversations at the border. As we were uh, journeying into Canada and we approached the border guard, he was dressed in this regal uniform and he asked the basic proto- protocol questions that you would anticipate, but he, th- he threw out a, a question that I wasn't ready for and I should have been. He just asked us for our destination. And so I said, well, the first day we're going to be in Butchard Gardens and the next day we're going to take a ferry over to Vancouver and then we're going to travel east. Oh, where are you going east? Well, we're, we're going east. And he said, well, how far east? I said, about seven seven-hour drive. And well, where are you going? You're going to go to Grand Forks? Or where are you going to go? Well, I could not pull down the name of the place that, that we were going. 
And then finally he asked me, well, what do you do back in Springville, Missouri? And I said, well, I'm a pastor, a pastor. Well, what, what church? United Methodist. Well, good. You're good. You're good to go. Come on in. But getting back to the United States was even uh, more challenging. We were uh, out there just kind of in the eastern part of Washington in a very rural area. And uh, to set this up, you've got to know one thing. My wife has a love affair with black cherries, fresh cherries. And so we saw this fruit stand the day before we came back into the States and Canada, and we had to get these cherries. And you can eat so many cherries in, in one day. And so in the final five minutes as we're approaching the United States border, we stop off and we eat the rest of the cherries, and we got these cherry pits in our car. You're not supposed to bring those back in the States. And so we approach the border guard, and um, the first thing that comes out of our mouth is, hey, do you have any place for the trash? And he says, uh, I'll ask the questions first, and then I'll answer any questions you have to ask. And I was thinking, this is not starting out well. <laughs> and he says, no, we don't have any trash cans here. Don't they have any trash cans in Canada? He says, is this a rental car? I said, yes, it is. You got some rental papers? I said, well, somewhere. And we started frantically looking for the rental papers. I said, well, as you're looking for the rental papers, I want to look in your trunk. And we, I was, he says, would you please pop the trunk? Don't get out of the car. Just pop the trunk. Well, I wouldn't want to get out of the car. I think he'd have shot me anyway. And so he's calling back from the trunk, uh, hey, can you find the lever? You got a lever here somewhere? And, and so I reached for the lever, and, of course, I popped open the hood. And uh, <laughs> said, inadvertently, you know, I, I popped the wrong lever. Well, I'll close your lever. So he, he went back and he uh, closed the hood and then he went back to the trunk and said, uh, uh, let me look. I finally found the lever and he looked in our trunk. And in the meantime, he's asking, uh, did, have you found those papers yet? I said, no, can't find them anywhere. I just, well, electronically, you know, I'd forgot that they emailed them to us. And so anyway, he comes back to the car and he said, well, what do you do? by the way, back in Springfield, Missouri. I said, well, I'm a pastor. A pastor? What church? United Methodist. And he said, well, did you smuggle any Bibles in? <laughs> and I said, no. And he said, well, I wish you would have. You're free to go. And by the way, I'll take your trash. So there's three things I learned at the border crossing. Know your destination, dump your trash, and when all else fails, just say you're a pastor. It works. I've never had so much respect in being a pastor for a long time. <laughs> well, we uh, did look at some incredible country. We saw the, the whales in, in the bay, and we saw the sunset over the ocean, and we saw these incredible gardens, and we saw and drove through the Cascade Mountain Peaks and into some beautiful valley meadows, and going into the desert and then driving along the Columbia River. And it reminds me of, of the diversity and the richness of the landscape that God has created in this world. But also reminds us of what we're learning about in, in the Psalms. As we're looking at Psalms' greatest hits, we visited some different places already. We went into the, the mountains and the valleys, really, of despair in Psalm 88. 
And we, we saw the majesty of, of God's universe in, in Psalm 8. We traveled along and tapped into the river of life in Psalm 1. We celebrate the intimacy of friendship in Psalm 25. We explored the depths of forgiveness in a psalm. We, we looked at childlike trust and faith last week. Today we're coming to my favorite psalm of all, Psalm 145, that absolutely explodes in its praise for God, that dances in the goodness of God. And this psalm tells us something about God. It tells us something about His faithfulness and the richness of His mercy and the way that He lifts up the fallen. This psalm speaks to us about how beautiful God really is. And so as I read through the psalm another time, as you just heard it on video, I, I want us to explore it again. And I want to invite you to stand with me as I, I read Psalm 145. And my invitation to you is, is to pay attention to the characteristics that are being described about this good and wonderful God of ours. And maybe one of these particular character traits of God is exactly what you need to hear today. Listen to this psalm that shouts God's praise and dances in the hues of God's grace. I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome work. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all He has made. All your works praise you, Lord, for your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that the people, all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all His promises and faithful in all He does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up those who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and faithful in all He does. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. He desires, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, 
but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. So before you have a seat, would you say it? Praise the Lord. You can have a seat. Did you notice some of the characteristics of who God is, this good and beautiful, this wonderful, incredible God of ours? The psalmist declares that God is the God that keeps his promises. He's a promise keeper. That God is good to everyone. He doesn't discriminate. He showers compassion. Showers it. It's not a dribble. He pours it out. He's slow to anger. He is rich in love. He's filled with kindness. He's gracious. God has a way about him. In the way that he moves and acts. He satisfies the hungry. Those who are physically hungry, those who are spiritually hungry. He hears, he protects, he responds. He lifts up those that are broken. He comes close. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. This God of ours helps. He's the God that's there for us in all situations in life. It was in the summer of 2012 that I fell in love with this psalm. It was in this psalm that God repositioned my heart. And before the summer of 2012, and by the way, that was a really hot summer. If you think this summer was hot, uh, check your record books. It was 100 degrees, I think, like something like two weeks in a row in Springfield, Missouri, and we had a horrific drought. So this is a piece of cake compared to the 2012 because I remember it well because I was on sabbatical. And in that summer, as I was exploring this psalm, God showed me more than anything about his incredible beauty. I remember tr just falling in love with the beauty of God that summer. And I got to go to a lot of different places and tasted of the maple syrup in Vermont and the sand dunes in Michigan and the redwood forest in California, but it was nothing to begin to compare to what I really saw in the beauty of God. I always knew God was good, but I began to experience and taste the goodness of God in a deeper way than I'd ever had known it before. And God showed me just how beautiful He really is. It was uh, during that summer that I was introduced and I read the trilogy of James Bryan Smith's books, the Good and Beautiful God, The Good and Beautiful Life, and The Good and Beautiful Community. And in those books, uh, again, it paralleled so richly and closely to Psalm 145. And we brought those books uh, back, and we, we did this trilogy of studies over the next 18 months at Schweitzer. And I felt like what God was beginning to do in my heart, God showed me that He really wanted to do in a lot of people's hearts. And I came back that fall, and I, I led a, a young adult group of six guys because God spoke very clearly to me this amazing verse that God commends His mighty works from one generation to the other. 
And that verse began to grab hold of my heart in such a way that it really has become my season of life verse even now. That I am called to commend the the works of God to another. And so God spoke to me very clearly. He said, I want you to form a group of young guys and there's nothing about me that's cool. I mean, I'm just not, I'm not into hip culture. I mean, let's just face it. I'm just not there. But God put together these six guys and four of those guys became leaders of groups and those led other groups. And we had a lot of different groups of the good and beautiful God life that we began to experience. And there was a, a young college couple that was there, uh, I think their name was, was Hotchkiss or something, and I remember Jake took that book into his fraternity, and how God began to touch the lives of, of young guys through that. God b- began to do some things, and through this experience, I think we've become more and more a, a church of all generations. Um, Krista Rosenbaum today, um, a dynamic young woman of faith, is preaching her first sermon in the Modern Outreach Center at 11 o'clock, so you may want to go to worship twice today and, and hear Krista. But this, this moves us and reminds us of the depths and the beauty of what God really wants to do in everyone's life of all generations. You know, I say that uh, we saw the ocean on our trip. I've seen the ocean before, but I've never really seen the ocean. We just saw the shoreline. We just put our toe in the water. We didn't really see the ocean. And in so many ways we say we see God. Or we've experienced God when all we're really doing is just walking along the shoreline where there's a whole ocean of God's beauty and creation and wonder and majesty that's waiting to be explored. One of the things that we did on our trip was to uh, visit Olympia National Park, and we almost missed it, but a fry cook told us that there was this amazing spruce tree just a mile down the road. And so we went down, and we saw the, the largest spruce tree in the world. And this spruce tree, which uh, uh, there's a video of it somewhere, you, you walk around that tree, and I wasn't going to because the roots are going over the cliff and everything else. And, man, you just kind of hold on for dear life because you're afraid you're going to fall. I grabbed hold of that tree so tightly I had spruce on my hands for days. And it reminds me, I think that's what we need to be doing with God. We need to be exploring, and we need to be walking and gripping hold where the juices of God's grace and the sap of His love begins to mark who we are. This good and beautiful God that declares to us that we will be not just like a giant spruce tree, but an oak of righteousness and goodness and beauty. Friends, we are called to explore God, and God is our destination. God is the land. God, God is, the, is, is the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is here, right here, right now. God is our destination. God is, is the journey. Some people say it's not about the destination. It's about the journey, but it's about both. 
It's about really enjoying the journey. I, I couldn't have enjoyed the journey, and some, sometimes I did enjoy the journey because I got lost or I got tired on the way, but the journey is, is God, and God is inviting us to explore the great adventure of the goodness and the mercy and the wonder of God. And sometimes we get distracted, we forget that, that God is your destination. And if God is not the focus and the way and where you're heading, you're missing it. So I want to take us back to what I learned at the border crossing. Number one, know your destination. (laughs) Number two, uh, you got to dump your trash. (laughs) Number three, when all else fails, say you're a pastor. Forget number three. But I want us to look at number one and two. Jesus is the one that invites us into the kingdom. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And he's at the border crossing, and he's not a harsh guard. There's a kindness and a love and a gentleness, and he welcomes us into this relationship and this experience in this land of God. And the Holy Spirit becomes our GPS, this internal voice and mechanism that we begin to journey into the beautiful God that that He is. The Holy Spirit invites us and helps us as we become more sensitive and experienced to know how to navigate and not lose our way. The Bible is a great road map that lays out in print the characteristics and the ways in which we journey into God. God the Father is the destination. God the Father is the one that welcomes us home. And so many times in this triune God of ours, that, that we, it's been the experience of so many people that some people start out with the Holy Spirit, then they get reintroduced to Jesus, or they start out with Jesus and they learn the presence of the Spirit. For many of us, the Father and the Father's love is the hardest one to really come into. And yet Jesus Christ and the God we know in Jesus is the embodiment of all those characteristics of Psalm 145. And all you need to do is just trust as a child and decide I'm not going to just put my toe in the water, but I'm going to go in. I'm going to explore all that God has for me. Jesus is the one that also <laughs> takes our trash. Um, I found that trash has a way of, of collecting <laughs> itself. And so in becoming a person of faith and becoming a Christian and becoming a believer, is that something you've done? And the wonderful thing about Jesus is he's, he's, he's at the order not to keep us out but to invite us in and he takes all the trash all the junk and as I've gone closer and deeper and richer in the experience of God I find that I still have trash it's kind of like my house I got to take it out every day I got to take the trash out of out of my soul every day and as I learn to do that I began to experience more and more the riches of His grace and His love and the goodness and mercy of who God really is. 
I've also found that as we journey into God, that it helps to have human companionship. It helps to have other people that are making the journey with us, that we do not make this on our own, that we are involved in community. One of the richest, most wonderful things that we're doing at Schweitzer is something called Life Change Plan, where people who are coming out of addiction, coming out of brokenness, and some are coming out of jail, have been assigned where one-on-one persons walk with them and where they've experienced disrespect and harshness and dehumanization. They find in another human being the goodness and the mercy of God. And so we've had 11 different graduates that's graduated after a year of journeying with somebody else in the life change plan. We have eight people who currently are going through this. And David Freeman tells me there's about four new persons every month now that we anticipate the need for mentors of people that have journeyed with God and want to give that goodness away. I want to invite you to watch this video and see what's up with that. I first started the Life Change Plan because I was looking for a place to serve and to um, just be a part of the community of Schweitzer. And now that um, I've been meeting with Gina for about a year now. Um, I feel like we've really been able to build a relationship and a friendship. And I just feel like uh, Jesus called us to be a, be a community and um, love one another and serve one another. And I feel like the Life Change Plan really helps build that community of all kinds of believers. Megan did a great job of modeling the calm presence a life change plan mentor can provide for somebody whose life is kind of in chaos to give them a quiet place for Jesus to speak. If you're interested, please contact me at the information beside the screen. Thank you. you know, I would not have uh, imagined going on this trip by myself without Susan and having someone else that was following the GPS with me and looking for the signs. We just can't journey into the depths of all that God has for us either alone. You may have, uh, be someone that's been a believer for some time, but we, we get stuck or we hit the, the mountains uh, of darkness or, or the valleys of despair. And oftentimes we need a, a spiritual guide. Spiritual guide is, is a ministry that we also offer to people that are believers and people who have walked with God for a while. And it's a person of the same gender that meets up with you once or twice a month, not to judge you, but to welcome you and to pay attention to, yeah, this is what God is doing in your life. And to remind us of God's faithfulness and begin to explore with the adventure and, and, and embracing the fun of knowing who God is. So mentorship is a big deal at Schweitzer. The life change plan, spiritual guides, there's a lot of other ways in which you may be called to give yourself away to somebody else or if you need someone to, to talk with you about your spiritual life and you recognize that you need another human being, another guy, another gal to walk alongside you, then talk to me and we'll be, had to we'll be glad to have a conversation about that. Psalm 145 became my favorite psalm because God personalized it in such an amazing way in the summer of 2012. 
I have never been the same since. And I continue to grow and explore the beauty and the goodness of God. One of the incredible things we saw on our trip was Butchard Gardens. It's an amazing story of how Jenny Butchard, a hundred years ago, took this rock quarry and brought in fertile soil and created this beautiful sunken garden where thousands of people around the world come and visit on a weekly basis. It's a transformation of a soil, of a place, of one person that had a vision. It's what God does in human lives. It's what God does in your life, in my life. It's what God does. He, he brings the flower and the goodness and the hope and the beauty of who he is. Just like I was visiting with somebody yesterday who I'm offering spiritual direction to. This guy is exploding in his faith and his love for God. And he says, it's so strong, Bob. I just want everybody to get this. So whoever you are today and whatever you're doing and however you're going through stuff right now, it may be a valley of despair. I get it. Been there. We'll be there again. But, man, we are not alone. And God is great. God is wonderful. God is real. And he's the God that's right here, right now, this morning, for all of us. And I want to be a part of that generation that commends the mighty works of God to the next. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you are rich in love. Thank you for the embodiment of these characteristics in Jesus Christ. And thank you that you want to produce this same kind of fruit in us. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives and in this community. Do more. Help us to explore you with other people's companionship. Help us to be fully engaged. Help us to get more than just a toe in the water. Help us to plunge in and explore the heights and the depths and the wonder of your great love. God, I pray this morning that everybody in this room will know that you are good, that you are beautiful, that they matter, that they matter to you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. This morning we're going to worship with the giving of our gifts and our ushers come forward. I just want to invite you to fill out that card and if you want to be a part of the living room experience or if you're interested in um, mentorship, life change plan, you can also check the box for that and a reminder that today is barbecue with Bob. So we, we can give in many different ways at Schweitzer through texting and through other ways. Let's just continue to worship this generous and good God of ours through the giving of our gifts at this time.